Today on the podcast, what is codependency? How does it affect relationships? Does any of these words mean something to you or sound familiar? Afraid of being oneself. Shame. Full boundaries. Difficult being assertive. We'll learn more about that next on the podcast. Let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad Podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Hey, welcome back. Joe Foley. I want to say thank you for being here. I know the dad and parent crazy busy down this world. We're busy. We're busy people. And I get it. I get it. I get what you're going through. And you taking time to listen to me. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for being here. Your first time, welcome. This is about a possible conversation, what it means to be me and you, trying to find a better way of doing things, you know? We're, like, I, I know as a, a divorced dad myself, and I'm always trying to figure out new ways to um, be better. This podcast is about my journey about being better. And hopefully I can share something with you and you can learn something from me and we can have a conversation. Because you know what? I'm not an expert on a journey just like you trying to figure this stuff out one day at a time. I just want to remind you that I'm, I'm, especially this topic today, I'm not, and I'm not an expert. I'm trying to figure this out, this stuff too myself and um, and make me a better dad as a better parent. But it's a topic that kind of hits home a little bit. So my conversation with Darlene Lancer from DarleneLancer.com. Darlene's a licensed marriage therapist and counselor. She's been author of the book, Codependency for Dummies. So it kind of hits home a little bit because I can relate to some things to talk about in this interview. If you can relate to some of these words, I'm telling you, you'd be interested in listening to this interview too. Like poor boundaries, self-esteem, inner shame, not loving oneself, having trouble being your authentic self. This is the definition from, I took away from Darlene's website, from what codependency is. And this is word for word. Codependency is sneaky and powerful. May not be aware of the root cause problems in your relationship. Does your marriage or your relationship take up your thoughts and energy? Are you unhappy, unable to leave? If this your answer is yes, you are maybe codependent. Many codependent believe that their, unha- their happiness depends upon other people's other and a relationship or finding Mr. and Mrs. Right. The focus you think and behavior around someone can can control. This is codependency. You react to something internally rather than externally. Cues. Addicted to codependency. Their lives revolve around their addiction. It could be food, work, drugs, or sex. I think Darlene, she has a lot of good information in this episode interview. I want to share that with you. I just want to jump right in, right into the interview. Today on the podcast, my guest, Darlene Lancer. She's a licensed marriage family therapist and the author of the book, Codependency for Dummies. Welcome to the podcast, Darlene. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to your audience. I mean, I just heard about this codependency stuff. What is codependency? Well, there isn't one definition. There, um, Many theorists have come up with different um, definitions of codependency. Uh, the one that um, I feel describes most accurately the problem is when someone can't access their innate self, but instead their thinking and behavior revolves around another person, uh, a substance, or a process. So as you can tell, that would include addict and underlying addiction is codependency. 
is it well I have an interesting question is it codependency as revolving around somebody and also an addict the other the other one about being around a person is that well known oh yeah it's probably the majority of people <laughs> um, but it may it may be their partner it may be a child so it could vary on who it is they could start having uh, adapting their behavior to the needs or wants or thinking of someone else, trying to figure out what the other person is feeling or thinking and then behave accordingly. So it's it's kind of like the idea of I don't want to make waves. I don't want to upset anyone. I want to please you. I'm afraid to be authentic because then you won't like me. So that, those are some examples. Not being able to say no. So that's an example of adapting your behavior, which would be your word, to what going on with someone else. But how did you get involved in this topic? Well, I think I was born codependent <laughs> to begin with, but I didn't know that for a long time. And um, uh, it kept coming up in my practice. Most of my clients had these issues, and uh, I was helping them individuate, which is a psychological term, but it means becoming a separate individual, so separate from your your parents and your family's thinking, beliefs, uh, their uh, opinions, having your own ideas about things, being able to identify and express your own feelings, trusting your own perception, because a lot of people um, are take on all of the views and beliefs of their family, and they never really become a separate individual, they, especially if they've grown up in a dysfunctional family, which codependents have. Is it could it be a codependency a learned trait, maybe passed like passed down from watching your parents or other relatives? Absolutely, it is. It's transgenerational. So if you have um, parents that are addicted or grandparents, the likelihood is that you're codependent too. Interesting. That's interesting. What is uh, some of the like some of the symptoms in, in, in a relationship that would be somebody would be aware of being in a codependency relationship? Well, they might not be able to identify it themselves without a professional explaining it. But I can list the and the reason is because the first symptom is denial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just like addicts say, I don't have a drinking problem or I don't have a, uh, I'm not addicted to sex or shopping or whatever it is. Um, codependents are in denial of their own codependency. They can say, oh, that other person, my neighbor, my sister-in-law or my brother is so codependent, but they don't see their, and then they spend all their energy trying to fix that other person and they don't see their own codependency. So there's denial not only of codependency, but of needs, their own feelings, needs, um, wants, and that's part of not being able to access their real true self. Uh, low self-esteem is common, and that is a symptom of having shame. Shame is a, a core underlying symptom, and it leads to like people-pleasing, low self-esteem, excessive guilt, intimacy issues, which are common. Other major symptoms are dependence, so codependents may have a problem uh, doing things on their own, leaving a relationship. Some codependents can't survive. Uh, emotionally being stable if they're not in a relationship. That's not true of everybody. Some do fine on their own. But once they get involved with someone, then their codependency becomes more apparent because they, they give up their friends, their activities, and they start focusing on their partner. Uh, dysfunctional communication. So codependents have difficulty being assertive 
They don't even know what that is because in their family, there was dysfunctional communication. So assertiveness and communication is learned. And so usually they have a parent that either two parents fight all the time or one that's passive and then one's aggressive. But neither or they might both be passive. Um, but usually it's like one's aggressive and then in response, the other parent is passive, but neither is assertive. Another typical um, prevalent symptom is control. So they can do this by trying to fix someone else or they enable someone, try to caretake. That's one type of codependent. And then you have another type who is outwardly controlling and uh, an addict might be that way, for instance like a, a substance abuser who gives orders to the rest of the family or sometimes they try to control with people pleasing and manipulation, doing it um, indirectly and they don't have good boundaries because they've never individuated from their family. So they either get into relationships very quickly, um, they feel responsible for other people's actions, feelings, like uh, if you're upset, it must be my fault. If you're sad, I have to fix it right away. What did I do wrong? Um, so they they feel responsible for other people or they don't set boundaries. They can't say no to someone. So they overdo, they give too much, and then they're resentful. Um, and all this leads to a lot of painful emotions, including uh, depression, despair, anxiety, a lot of fear. A lot of the anxiety is shame anxiety mm-hmm. because they're so worried about what other people think. So they're afraid of being shamed or being criticized. That causes anxiety. What is what is a good example of setting good boundaries? Well, uh, sometimes people say, well, what you know, what should I say? You know, what's the pro? They don't know because they didn't have good boundaries in their family. If you have a parent that's overly controlling or invasive or critical, those are violating your boundaries. If you're not treated with respect, that's violating your boundaries. Uh, or other uh, children the parents are neglectful and they just do what they want and the parents are too preoccupied with themselves um, and so they don't they never were disciplined so they don't have boundaries either so in order to um, figure out your boundaries you have to be able to identify your feelings so it's, this is like stages of recovery so if you have trouble identifying your feelings and that doesn't mean just a lot of emotion being able to name them so if you feel unsafe then with someone, then that means you need to say something about it. You need to protect yourself. It's up to you to do that. And being able to speak up, that's where assertive communication comes in. Not being able, not, as I said, feeling responsible for other people's feelings or issues. So not offering suggestions and telling everybody what they should do, but being able to listen. Because once you start telling someone what to do, you're violating their boundaries. Not being able, being Boundaries with yourself so that you can have stick to a sticky schedule, uh, get your work done on time, things like that. Well, the one thing you mentioned about in shame, and, and I'm something that interested and I want to know. Somebody, how does somebody with so low self-esteem, how do they, how do they, how, how do they, um, you know, bring up their self-esteem? That's an important part of recovery. It's why I wrote an ebook about it, and I have a webinar too that are on my website that people can get. Um, so raising self-esteem is. First of all, it means honoring who you are and validating yourself rather than looking to others' self-esteem. 
So if you want to have everyone like you, if you think you're going to get more self, more esteem from being uh, famous or rich, successful, I mean, you may want success on your own, but to do it for prestige or power, that's other esteem, trying to look good for someone else and comparing yourself to others. Um, so it's about, again, identifying your feelings, accepting it. The biggest obstacle to self-esteem is self-criticism. And so I write a lot about how to befriend your critic. Everyone has this internal voice. Um, most people are not even aware of it, how they shit on themselves or they say, oh, that was stupid of me or how could I do that? They shame themselves a lot and that leads to depression. And then they have more anxiety and fear of taking risks and doing things because they talk themselves out of it. So becoming the, you can't change something until you're aware of it. So getting in touch with your inner voices is key. Uh, I could, we could talk the whole, um, for an hour about raising your self-esteem, but that's like the first step. And then eventually learning to love oneself. And most codependents didn't get any nurturing in their family. Is it also the language, like you said, um, like, um, oh, I was stupid of me or the self-critic, like you, you just like low self-esteem, like, oh man, I'm dumb or, um, I'm not good enough. It's changing the language. Would that help changing the, the way the words come out of your mouth? That's a big, big step because our unconscious takes things very literally. And not only that, people don't realize. They think, oh, I want compliments and praise from other people. Your unconscious does not distinguish words from other people or your own voice. So you could, you know, say things to yourself that are positive all day long, mm -hmm. and it'll have, you know, more impact than if once a week someone praises you. But there's a, you know, a little important factor here, which why sometimes the law of attraction, you know, positive thinking doesn't work for people. And that is you have to say something you believe. So if you say, oh, I am like the most beautiful person in my city or whatever, in my club or something, and you don't believe that, it's not going to have uh, any impact. In fact, I've had beautiful women as clients who think they're unattractive and my praising them or someone praising is not going to impact them because of how they their beliefs about themselves so you might say something like i make consistent effort at improving myself or say something that you believe or that i'm a good person and things like that the the other thing is is learning skills taking risks and then getting to know yourself so self esteem doesn't mean that you think you're the greatest person. Like narcissists think they're the greatest, but they don't have, they have a lot of shame underneath. So it's having a realistic appraisal of yourself. Yeah, it, it's interesting because the shame seems to be under a lot of what we're talking about. Shame, shame's like, it seems like it's there. It's true. Also, I wrote a whole book about shame because it's so important. How did how did you come up writing the book about the codependencies for um, for dummies? How did you come up writing that book? That's an interesting question. Um, I had a web have a website that I've had for years, and I would write blogs and publish articles. And I published an article on codependency and wrote a blog about it. And unknown to me, Wiley Publications had been interested in finding an author to write Codependency for Dummies, and they came upon my writing, and they asked me to, uh, to send them some samples and do an outline for the book and basically compete with a few other therapists or authors they had chosen, and then they chose me <laughs> to do the book. So 
when after they asked me to do this, interestingly, I, as I thought about it, and I thought, this is exactly right because this is what I focus on with my clients and in my own self-growth for years. So I, I realized I was very knowledgeable about it. Was this only your own experience yourself? Well, in my experience, in my clinical experience, in my own life, and uh, I had never thought about it in those terms. But once I started putting together a proposal for Wiley and doing an outline of the book, and I thought, I know this stuff inside out. This is what I've been writing about and thinking about for, for decades. But I just hadn't ever thought about specializing in it. It's an interesting, um, an interesting, because I'm somebody I didn't think about myself and I was thinking about that. But also, too, is, um, being parents is something, you know, we, we don't realize, I mean, we don't really realize stuff, even though when you come to a certain age, you think, ah, nothing's wrong or nothing's going on. But I mean, seeing in, in marriage, like I, my, my experience of bad communication or boundaries and stuff like that. And how do you, how do you, like, I don't know how, how to say this, but you know, I have a son. How do you try to, how do you show him the better communication and, 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 and better ways of dealing with this? I always tell people the best way to improve your parenting is, you know, your children's self-esteem is work on your own. So when you learn to be more assertive, when you can identify your feelings and have empathy for yourself, you'll have that for your children. The key word is to treat your children with respect and honor their feelings. Now, a lot of well-meaning parents will end up shaming their parents, their children. They don't realize it. So there's something called shame bonding, which I go into more detail in my in conquering shame and codependency. But for instance, when I was a child, if I felt a painful feeling like fear or sadness, my mother would try to thought she was helping me and she says, oh, don't be afraid. Or you shouldn't be sad. You should be angry. So what that was doing was shaming my my feelings. So you hear that enough times, you think, I shouldn't feel that way. So then you stop feeling it, and you become numb to that, or you at least can't identify it, and you don't express it. Uh, I've had clients that their family was pretty shut down about feelings, except for my client. And so what, when she was feeling something, her family would say, oh, you're too sensitive. There you go again. You're so sensitive. And that's totally shaming her distress. So then she's not going to, she's going to hold in her feelings until maybe one day she explodes. And then of course she, she seems like she's over the top. So respecting your children's um, emotions, their thoughts. You don't have to agree with them, but you listen to them. Parents do a lot of talking. They should spend twice as much time listening as respecting your children. Well, I guess that's a good uh, transition. I mean, Rob, wrapping up, I don't know if you have any final thoughts about codependency. And To sum it up very succinctly, there's a YouTube uh, on my YouTube channel called Codependency Recovery. And at the end of it, there's a little chart. It's a triangle. And on the bottom um, corner is like know yourself. So recovery is a process of self-awareness. It's like peeling an onion, as they say. And then, as I mentioned before, you take risks, reasonable risks, not saying like you jump off a cliff or anything, <laughs> but you take reasonable risks and then it might work out or it might not, but then you know something more about yourself and you learn from that. And that builds self-esteem. So maybe you took a risk and you learned, well, maybe I should have had better boundaries. You loaned somebody money and they never paid you back and it ruined a friendship. Well, maybe after that, you're, you're going to have better boundaries. You're not going to just say yes next time someone asks you for money, just as an example. Also, where, um, your book, 
Codependency for Dummies. Where can they find that and where they can connect with you if they want to reach out and, and learn more about you and your YouTube channels and your, and your books and stuff? Oh, thank you for asking. There's links to everything on my website, which is easy to remember. It's whatiscodependency.com, all one written out as one word. And the books are on um, Conquering Shame and Codependency and Codependency for Dummies are in bookstores and online sellers all over. And then I have seven e-books, and um, they are also at online booksellers, and they're on my website, whatiscodependency.com. Uh, some of them are 10 Steps to Self-Esteem, Dealing with a Narcissist, 8 Steps to Raise Self-Esteem and Set Boundaries with Difficult People. And this, this book would be good for working with an addict, someone who has borderline or bipolar, anyone who's highly defensive. And then um, I have a webinar on how to raise your self-esteem, um, two products on being assertive, how to speak your mind, become assertive and set, set limits, and a webinar, how to be assertive. Um, a lot of codependents are perfectionists, so I wrote an ebook. I'm not perfect, I'm only human, how to beat perfectionism. Uh, they have a lot of guilt. As I mentioned, it stems from shame. So I have an ebook, Freedom from Guilt and Blame, Finding Self-Forgiveness. And then I have a daily reader uh, on codependency, daily reflections. And many people in recovery are in 12-step programs. And I have a psycho-spiritual book. Oh, these are all workbooks, by the way. So okay. there's a lot of exercises to do called Spiritual Transformation in the 12-Step. And recently, I put together a meditation that you can listen to called the Self-Love Meditation. If you listen to that regularly, it'll improve your ability to love yourself. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. A lot of my talks are on SoundCloud and clip.com. There are all these links on my website. You can follow me for daily posts on Twitter. I have a Facebook page, Codependency Recovery, and also my name, uh, Darlene Lancer. So I put up um, I link to a lot of articles that are relevant to codependent as well as my I blog every month. You could subscribe to my blog. I also have a seminar on uh, breakup recovery. It's really hard for codependent to get over someone. I will um, put all make sure all the links will be in the show notes for this episode. And and um, I want to say thank you very much, Darlene, for being on the podcast today. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Well, that's all for this episode. I want to thank you for joining me in the No City on the Sideline Dad podcast. And I want to thank Darlene Lancer for being the guest on the podcast. You can find more about her and her podcast over at DarleneLancer.com. You can find all the links in the show notes, what we talked about in this episode, NoSittingOnTheSideline.com slash 54. Please comment on the podcast. All comments help improve the podcast. If you want to say hello, like, hey, how you doing? Nice to see you. Or just, you know, start a discussion on what we talked about. Please reach out. You know, you can find more about this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, other podcast catchers and um, streaming platforms. You can find about all my contact information at nocityonthesideline.com slash contact. Please sign up for the newsletter. Keep what's going on in the podcast. Well, until next time, take care. Give your kids a hug. Give yourself a break. This is hard enough. We're all going to make mistakes. Until next time, take care. God bless. See ya. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe to the newsletter to receive updates of the show and helpful and useful tips. This has been a production of Foley 42 Media.